Alexa podcast, a weekly talk show brought to you by two aerospace engineers with diverse journeys and experiences. Join them on the new adventure to explore the impact of innovation, technology, and personal growth on our society through varied perspectives. Hello, amazing thinkers. My name is Dev and welcome to another episode of the Tensor podcast. I really hope you had an amazing week and, of course, ready to dive in into another curious realm. Before I do that, though, I want to introduce our guest today. Our guest today is a renowned author, professor, speaker, and a phenomenally successful African-American woman business owner. She is an NFT artist who, whose work was actually recently featured in the first ever NFT conference in San Diego just this past April. She's a professional business educator, an Air Force veteran, and a former police officer as well. She's been a great beacon for women, children, and at-risk youth by supporting them, educating, and mentoring them every chance she gets. It's my absolute pleasure to introduce Dr. B. Thomas to our podcast today. Welcome, Dr. B. How's it going? Hey! I'm so happy to be here. So grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to share with your audience. No, no, for sure. It was, it was a pleasure. It's a pleasure having you here as well. You know, we wanted to give our listeners a great chance to be inspired by your stories, your journeys, and, you know, the things you've done over the course of your life. Uh, It's just so inspiring when I was reading about you and when I was trying to get to know you and, you know, we want to get to the brunt of it. We want to know how a little bee grew up to be the queen bee she is today. So I guess, you know, let's just start into it. Talk to us about how Dr. B was as a child in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, on the streets, how she was growing up to be, how she was studying, how she was growing up to be a great educator, a great inspirer. You know, it's, it's, I always like to start from childhood because I feel that's very significant you know I I had a very a very unique childhood but maybe not so unique compared to other people I've had challenges I've had trials and triumphs just like anyone growing up you know and one of the things that that has helped to frame me has been actually a lot of the challenges that I've had I remember growing up and you know, experiencing abuse, you know, from the age of five to 15 years old. And I remember prior to uh, being homeless with my mother in Compton, California, because she was an escape, she was escaping an abusive relationship. So I remember overcoming these challenges growing up. And I remember finding my voice during this time, you know, during these challenging times, during these dark times. And I feel like some of the things that I experienced most certainly helped to to make me who I am today, which is, you know, very outspoken person, a very strong person. Um, I also had a lot of positive things happen to me in my life space, you know, where, you know, I I took up dance early on. I love to dance. Dance became an outlet for me, became an opportunity for me to express myself using word or not using words, but using body language. Um, I remember getting into things like acting, getting into things like the creative arts. That's always been a part of my life, just being able to 
to do things that were in another realm was always something that was just so intriguing to me. So I've mm-hmm. always been very curious. I've always been very inquisitive. I've always been very connected to nature and things like that, even growing up as a little bee. Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I've had a lot of different experience, experiences growing up. I feel that helped to frame who I am today which is a that's very great. strong, very passionate, very compassionate woman. Yeah. No, that's great. Uh obviously like I that's that's how I feel like you you've grown to inspire others so that they don't go through the same hardships that you might have gone through because you've seen those challenges and you know how to maneuver and how to come out of them. So that's where that aspect comes from. So I I want to get into how you took part and ended up in get becoming a police officer and then transitioning into an air force into the air force uh what inspired you to get into into that realm well it's very interesting um after uh my mother and I we we left uh the relationship uh that she was in actually because I ended up you know, finally telling my mom what was going on, the abuse that I was witnessing and that I had witnessed for 10 years, we both moved on. And uh, thank goodness she met this beautiful human being who um, she started dating and he became like a, a father figure to me, this beautiful human. And actually he was a police officer at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I became inspired by him. And, and also he was a, a college professor. He also was um, a, a military veteran, a Marine as, as a oh, matter wow. of fact. Yeah. yeah. So I can remember this beautiful human entering my life space who ultimately earned the title of being my father. And I just got so inspired by him being there. Now, I was always an overachiever. I graduated high school early. I, you know, was already going to college while I was in high school and, and et cetera, et cetera. But I remember one day I was sitting at home because I'd already graduated and I was kind of like, you know, going to college again. And my mother was like, you're kind of halfway going to college and you need to make a decision what you want to do next. Yeah. And she said, either you're going to go to college for real or either you're going to go into the military. And I was like, well, I guess I'll go to the military. <laughs> so that's that's how that happened. <laughs> yeah. So I decided, you know, um, my my stepbrother at the time, who I don't even call my stepbrother, he's my brother. Brother, yeah. At the time he had gotten back from um the Marines. And then he says, sis, whatever you do, don't go to the Marines. But I didn't realize he just didn't want me to upstage him. But I'm like, okay, maybe he knows something I don't know. So I I go to the Air Force, I get in the Air Force, and then they're like, well, if you can lift a certain amount of weight, then you can, you know, maybe you can um, you can go into the police academy or you can be a police officer in the Air Force. So I said, okay, that sounds crazy. So I did that. Now I'm coming from this background. I used to play with makeup and this, that, mm-hmm. and the third. But all of a sudden, I want to be this police officer because it just sounds so intriguing to me. And I didn't want to work, be stuck in like an office cubicle. Yeah. Because that sounded like I would be slowly dying. Yeah, so- no, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
So yeah, that's how that happened. I became a police officer for the first time in the Air Force, went through the uh, six week um, you know, boot camp. And then after the boot camp, I had another, I think like additional nine weeks, which was crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was crazy. But we'll talk about that training maybe later mm, on. But yeah, before, yeah. it was hard and it was rough. And then I graduated. And then ultimately, after I got out of the Air Force, I became a police officer again, went to another federal police academy and graduated at the top 10 percent of my class. So as you are the amazing person. <laughs> so, of course, expect nothing less from you. <laughs> um, yeah, I in the academy or when you were going through your training, was there any hardships that you personally faced? Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> I feel like and how every- you overcame it, possibly. <laughs> yeah, first of all, I think every day was a hardship because yeah. every day I was being challenged with something extremely physical to do or with something that, you know, we had to pass all these tests. We had to know all these rules, these laws, these regulations. I mean, in in both of the academies that I've been went to and people were constantly you know, um, being recycled or falling out of the academy or not making it in the academy. Like every week, people were constantly not making the bar. For example, one academy I I was in, you had to maintain an A average every week, not an A minus, an A average period. And so you're constantly being tested and constantly being, you know, physically challenged in so many ways. So I've had that throughout my entire police experience, just being challenged. And I would have to say, you know, most of the challenges are mental, but there's a lot of physical challenges as well, because you have to have, your body has to basically, it's put to work. And so yeah, therefore yeah. you have to work like a machine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've had a lot of challenges, but most importantly, or most significantly, I think it all starts with mindset. And that's why I always like to go back to childhood because a lot of the things that I experienced in childhood helped me to develop the right mindset that actually helped me in law enforcement. Yeah, I agree with you. That's, you know, cause, cause when I, honestly, if you quiz me about anything about the police academy or any rules, I would know nothing to even <laughs> Began learning that I couldn't even fathom. So, so kudos to you. I'm, I'm sure it was, it was a phenomenal journey. What, what actually, and how many years, if you don't mind me asking, how many years were you, were you as an officer and what actually made you pursue something else or leave that position at the end? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Well, I was a police officer for a total of five years. Oh, wow. Yes. And um, I felt like (laughs) there was so much high turnover in the police department anyway. So I was almost like a senior officer, you know, (laughs) that's great because people, they get into the job and they don't necessarily stay there because it is a very challenging job. I don't think people really understand that about policing, how challenging it is. And it takes a lot of training in order to be a successful police officer. It takes a lot of of personal skills. You have to be able to work with people. You have to be able to listen to people. You have to be able to understand something called situational law enforcement. You have to use a lot of wisdom. You have to have a lot of compassion. You have to have a lot of compassion. So, you know, and it's long hours, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I remember working 12 hours 
that was automatic that I worked 12 hours. That just was the schedule. There was no such thing as an eight hour day, Wow. (laughs) you know, and then also there were times where you would work your 12 hours and then they would tell you, oh, we need someone to stay an additional four hours. If no one says yes, then we'll pick someone. And then they would just pick you. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and then you were working 16 hours. Damn. Then, yeah, every three months, your schedule, every three months, my schedule changed. It went from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Throughout the day, my schedule would change. I was going to school full time at that time. So what caused me oh, to wait? Yeah. You were going to school while doing this? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. The second time that I became a police officer, a federal police officer, which is completely different because it's a different jurisdiction. I was going to school full time. And I remember actually, while I was at the academy, I was faxing. This is is old school. I was faxing my homework in. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, you know, and I was still on the dean's list. So what I'm saying is what caused me to actually leave the department was the fact that I wanted to continue on with my education. And, you know, I got my bachelor's degree while I was a police officer, but I wanted to do my master's degree. And I didn't want to have that same stress that I had in going to school and then working this crazy shift where one day I'm off and then I'm not off and this I used to leave work and sleep in my car for a few hours before I had to go to school and be there at 9 a.m in the morning oh wow right and my classes were from 9 to 5 and I worked at 6 p.m so there wasn't a whole lot of sleep (laughs) it was just classroom grab a bite straight to the police station wow yeah (laughs) it was you were you were busy busy wow yeah, I was a crazy machine. Oh my god. <laughs> Robocop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Oh, Robocop. Yeah. <laughs> uh the next question might be a little controversial, but so you know, last year because of George Floyd's death and you know, Black Lives Matter movement, I do I wanted to pull the pull this question was, did you did you do you with you being in the workforce, did you feel that kind of animosity or that kind of uh, like pref- police officers preferring or any cases that you might, and you know, feel free to not answer, feel free to like dodge it. It's okay. I know this kind of question does is a little bit <laughs> controversial. So were mm-hmm. did you notice anything or were you, were, did you feel like there was something when you were in, in the force? No, I feel like, first of all, you know, I think that in any job that you go into, you have a possibility of having idiots for coworkers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> whether that be the police force or whether that be Starbucks, you know, but I would have to say out of my whole law enforcement career, I've only had one police officer that I thought was just kind of like just a jerk. And the only reason why I felt that way is because I remember one time he was saying how, you know, he was drunk and then he was, you know, oh, I was drinking and I was driving and this, that, and, other, and he was off of work. But see, here's the thing. When you're a police officer, even when you're off from work, you have to, you, you have this responsibility of being yeah. a responsible citizen. So I felt like him saying that was not responsible. And I felt like it was hypocritical because we pull people over for being intoxicated. So yeah. 
even if you're off work and you're doing this, this it really looks bad. So that was my only experience that I still remember to this date because I remember I was so disgusted by yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> totally so, understandable. Yeah, so yeah. Disgusted by it. But at the time, you know, this was when I was in the Air Force. So police off, you can be, you know, 18 years old and be a police officer then. And I felt like, you know, that's an extremely young age. Yeah. So you have to be extremely mature in order to handle that type of role. So I'd have to say overall, my experiences uh, with my coworkers have been phenomenal. I've always had really diverse departments that I've worked in. uh, And that's great because you need to have that workplace diversity. I've always had a lot of training in the department that I work for. Um, I remember one of the departments even had a a psychologist for the police officers. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we had to talk to the psychologist all the time. So anything that we would say that would cause a red flag, you know, it would we'd have to like, you know, maybe we'd have to be off from work for a few days or something like that. So I'm I'm really lucky in that I've always worked uh, with a group of really phenomenal police officers and been trained by great police officers. And so I would have to say that my experience has been overall positive. Now with the people that yeah. we served, some people just don't like you. And, and yeah. you, you go into law enforcement knowing that, hey, people might not like you. And it's nothing personal. Mm-hmm. I've, I've mm-hmm. had people tell me, just straight up tell me, hey, look, it's not you. It's the uniform that you wear that I don't like. Oh, wow. And, yeah, I've had people tell me that and I understood exactly where they were coming from because, you know, some of these people were older. They had different experiences with law enforcement. I've also had young young ladies look up to me. Little girls look up to me while in uniform and say, oh, wow, I want to be like you when I grow up. Yeah. So what I found in law enforcement is that the more you respect people, the more you love people, the more you listen to people, the more you win people over. It was so easy for me to win people over simply by being a loving, kind human being. Exactly. Yeah, that, that you really picked the point. At the end of the day, you know, the person, the uniform is the uniform, but the person make, wearing the uniform makes the uniform, right? So... And there have been a lot of high points in your career as a police officer. So like kudos to you on being a great law enforcement officer. And I know this is going to be a very bad segue, but speaking of high points, I do want to get into your cannabis ventures. <laughs> I, I do. I really do. Because um, it is something the youth have, are a little curious about, right? Like there, there are points where you know, we, there are a lot of folks who do use it recreationally, but, you know, uh, there's a lot of medical benefits to it as well, that a lot of folks kind of don't understand or don't know about it, right? So I do want to get into how you moved in, transitioned into the cannabis world and, you know, biggest dispensary in San Diego. So I really want to get into that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay, just like, you know, law enforcement kind of came as a, hmm, let me check this out. This yeah. looks crazy and cool. Uh, same thing happened in the cannabis space. I remember this was way after my law enforcement career, which, you know, I was a college professor, you know, and 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 doing all the, and going to school and working all these jobs. And then I moved to California and I was still teaching 
And I remember the person I was dating at the time was actually deeply into the cannabis space. Now, I never tried cannabis or anything like that. I've always been like this, you know, very straight edge type person because I've worked for the federal government yeah, for yeah. a lot of my life space. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't know? want to be walking into, into your station with like with like a joint in your pocket right of course yeah you cannot so so anyway um so I remember uh one day he's like well my background is in business and I have a doctorate degree in business and so one day he's like hey you know you you want to open a um dispensary and pretend that it's a surf shop I always tell this story pretend it's a surf shop in front but we'll really have people going through the alley and it's really going to be a dispensary and I was like that sounds crazy but yeah (laughs) I'll do it and I I decided to do it because I said well it's it's a unique opportunity plus I knew that it wasn't it wasn't illegal or anything like that you know I knew worst case scenario you know, maybe it was a code violation or something and you have to close down, but I thought it'd be a really exciting experience. So mm-hmm. I decided to go ahead and do it. And I remember um, before we opened that dispensary, I remember meeting the plant. My first encounter with, with the plant was trimming the plant because the person also had a grow. And so I met with the farmers first. I remember seeing the plant first. I remember learning how to trim first. I literally started at the bottom in the cannabis space, which I like to tell people too, because oftentimes people like to get into the cannabis industry and they want to, you know, become an overnight sensation, just like, you know, we see in the movies, but Mm -hmm. it just doesn't work like that. So I started at the bottom with a doctorate degree, trimming plants. And it was a beautiful experience. And I thought to myself, like all this, all this fuss over this plant that grows from the ground. It's like Jack and the Beanstalk, you know, growing <laughs> from the ground, but what, what is it doing? <laughs> right. Like really? So, so that was a unique experience. And then I went on to, um, uh, training in deliveries and learning how to do that. And mm-hmm. then I went on to opening up that store that my partner was telling me about. And it was the first unlicensed store that I ever had. So it was an opportunity for me to get my feet wet, for me to really get an understanding. I had to study cannabis like nobody's business before we opened that store. And then the patients that came in, I just remember hearing their stories and constantly hearing how cannabis changed their lives and this, that, and the third. I had so many unique stories that I can remember to this day. And it just dawned on me like, wow, this is really helping people. This is really healing people. I mean, I remember I had this lady come in and she could barely, she could barely walk. She had so much anxiety and so much fear. And I can remember me literally taking her by the hand, which reminded me of my law enforcement days, helping people, taking people, taking her by the hand and helping her figure out, okay, what do you need? How do I help you? How do I serve you? You know, and I remember her feeling so grateful. We went on to eventually open San Diego's a number one rated dispensary, and it's it's the highest rated dispensary in San Diego, and it's been that way for years. And I remember opening up this space with my partner. I remember the owners at the time, they needed someone, they needed professionals to come in and do it. And I mm-hmm. remember taking that dispensary from zero to 2.6 million in six months and from 2.6 wow. million to over 6 million in a year's time frame. 
I remember those numbers. But what's the most significant thing for me were all the people that came in and all yeah. the stories that I heard and people who would come in with their doctor's report and they'd be like, oh, they had stage four cancer. You know, now they don't have this and now they don't have that. I remember people who would come in and say they were on 30 pills and now they're not on, they're on 10, now they're on two, now they're on none. Mm-hmm. We were connected to a pain management clinic. The doctor would send us his patients all day long because they could no longer take their prescription meds. Yeah, yeah. You want to talk about controversial. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's truly inspiring. Um, I, 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 I was reading and I, I, I did a little research on your consulting firm, Hemplogica, right? And how you were helping American children who suffered with epilepsy. So I, I'm guessing like meeting these people in the store was what inspired that consulting firm, Amplogica. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I remember, uh, you know, there was this guy, I can't remember his name now, but I'll, he's like an angel. He would come into the store and he would get a bunch of CBD and he would tell me, hey, I'm going you know, over here and I'm going over there to drop off the CBD to these kids. And that was his passion. Like, that's what he did. And I said, wow, this man is phenomenal. Well, you know, maybe years later, I end up partnering up with um, a business partner and he has this company or this name called Hemp Logic. And I'm like, oh, well, that's going to be a CBD company. Mm-hmm. And then we decide to create this CBD brand and this CBD brand. We say we need it needs to give back to children with epilepsy. So we create this product, we create this brand and we give back to children with epilepsy for every product, every CBD product that we were sold. Wow. We children and then after that we ended up creating the consulting company which was called sage logica sage logica yes to help people do the same thing that we did and i just there's nothing like giving back the person that brought me into the cannabis space um he his both of his parents passed away from you know from cancer and his sister passed away from you know, using uh, opiate drugs. And, mm-hmm. and I had an aunt that passed away from using opiate drugs as prescribed. So we're coming into this space with this sense of compassion. We're coming into this space with this sense of wanting to give back and wanting to educate. And I think that's one of the reasons why we were so successful in doing what we did. Yeah, no, that's, it's wherever you've been, you've left your inspiration. Right. You and and the great thing about your stories and your journey is every I feel like every spot you've left, you've left your teachings, you've left your inspirations, you've left folks so that the good work you're doing is continues and keeps on going. Right. That And that's the that's one of the great that that's how you know that you're a great human being because, you know, work is not stopping. You might move on, but the help is still there now. The big conversation is from cannabis mm-hmm. to an NFT artist, right? <laughs> NFTs is, for folks who don't know, is non-fungible token. We've talked about it in the show before, but there's still a lot of confusion about NFTs and NFT arts and how, how you know, new artists are jumping into the space. Uh, I wanted to get to know how you joined the NFT space and what was the first art piece that you created as an NFT? 
Well, you know, it's funny because, you know, when, when someone tells your story back to you, then it's like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. I did do all these things. And what comes up to, to me over and over again is the power of reinventing yourself and the power of, of always being true and going with the flow and going what feels right for you at that time. You know, just like I got into the cannabis space, just like I got into law enforcement prior to the cannabis space, just like I became a, you know, um, a professor, et cetera, et cetera. So I remember I had been consulting um, women business owners because, you know, that's what I do, yeah. you know, and, and, and really loving that. And I remember one of my clients actually, you know, she had gotten to, into the NFT space and a former business partner told me just randomly one day, I remember we were probably smoking a joint and he was mm-hmm. like, <laughs> as all, as all good ideas come, that's, that's how all the good ideas come. Yeah. And he was like, you need to look up NFTs. I didn't know what he was talking about. But I wrote it down. So months later, my client actually comes to me and she's like, hey, I'm going to be getting into NFTs. I said, "Okay, this is interesting. So she started telling me about this. And I said, oh, wow. And I I thought to myself, well, this is really intriguing. This could be this could be a business opportunity. This could be an opportunity to opportunity to get in, move your business into a Web3 space. And so I decided that I would do that. But I didn't take any action because I'm one of those people. Sometimes I just like to go with the flow. Mm -hmm. One day, I just so happened to come home from a staycation, found out that my neighbor makes beats for whatever reason. He walked past my door and was like, hey, I make beats. I'm like, "Okay, all right. Let me send let, let me hear one of your beats. He said, here's my social media link, sent me his link, went on his website, heard the beat, the first beat I ever heard, music beat. I oh, said, wow. wow, started singing a song to that beat right away, came to me instantly. I said, oh my goodness, I need to record this, recorded it, sent it to my friend who's a music producer. He said he wanted to record it professionally. I take a bath, I get in the bathtub. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is an NFT. Oh my gosh, I see a music video with this. Oh my God, it just came to me. It literally just came to me, the whole vision. So my first NFT was actually a song that was just inspired out of the blue that went along and with a music video with dance choreography because I hired a choreographer, hired a cinematographer, hired an artistic director like a man. Wow. Wow. No, 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 I wouldn't say that. It's, it's innovative. It's, it's, it's something that most NFT arts are not like, uh, it's not like any other NFT arts because most MDD NFT arts right now are like board ape or crypto punks, or, you know, it's, it's, it's an adjective. It's an animal hybrid and it's, it's another adjective. That's what, how most of the NFT tokens or the arts are, but, but, music and dance that's 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 something that's even i'm going to be honest with you before this i didn't know that you could do something like this yeah so yeah yeah, it was it was great yeah it's it's fascinating to me and i i feel like the first step i always like to tell people when it comes to creating nfts just like when it comes to creating any type of business is is knowing your why why are you doing this what is inspiring you what is the message that you want to give to people in the first place? How do you want people to feel that actually buy your art? What is the what is the outcome that you want to project? And I knew um, after I created this song, I knew that I wanted to create a psychedelic 
meditative experience in the virtual world. Mm -hmm. I knew that. And so therefore everything that I created come, it comes from that space. So the music video is very alchemical, you know, it's very detailed. It has a lot of different symbology in it. You know, a lot of loving, uh, love vibrations. I just, I knew that. And also everything that I create, I have to have this, you know, it has to be full. It has to be the whole process. It's like, it's not just putting something out there for the sake mm -hmm. of putting it out there. It's, it's well thought out and yeah. it's the intention is there, yeah. you know? So that's yeah. important. An overachiever. As <laughs> that's something truly, truly what you've been doing. So um, how did the goddess moon name come around? That is, that is the question today. <laughs> yeah, the good question, honey. <laughs> okay, well, Goddess Moon came about because um, I've always been a very spiritual person. You know, mm -hmm. like I said earlier on, you know, my spirituality has been present with me since I was born. And I've always been connected to nature and always connected to the, a world that's beyond this particular world that we see. I grew up having dreams and visions. Some things would come to pass, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you know, also was in the church at one point, uh, was married to a pastor at one point, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I remember one day um, with um, a person that I used to be connected to romantically, he said, you know what, you need to share your, your spiritual insights with other people. You need to come out, you need to come out of the closet. <laughs> <laughs> the spiritual closet. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You need to come spiritual closet it was very intimate for me it was very sacred and personal this was my whole life you know I had an altar you know early on and so I said okay I'll do that and then I said well how am I going to do that I said well I can I can appeal to women because I love helping women and serving women and I said well what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a goddess ceremony at my house during the full moon oh wow yeah wow, wow. <laughs> that's that's Something crazy, right? No, I I wouldn't say it's crazy, but it's if you're a spiritual person, you know, and you believe in in in, in that aspect of your life, you know, I I myself am not a religious person, but I I do have faith, right? And I do have friends who are very spiritual, so yeah, totally understandable. And you know, this the the ceremony. I want to know a little bit more about the ceremony now that that it's a little intriguing. Okay, so literally you'd come into my space, which I typically have the ceremonies at my house. They're very intimate. I only invite so many people because I wanted to create this really, you know, beautiful, again, intimate space. So you would come in, you'd probably get flowers. You know, I'd sit you down, I'd give you tea, offer you tea, offer you coffee, offer you wine. If you like wine, there'd always be food there because you like to eat. Okay. Yeah. If you food, if you wanted cannabis, we'd have cannabis. We sit down and we socialize first. We'd ask you how you were. We do meditations. There's all sorts of different meditations that you do just to help you ground yourself in. Um, if you want to, you'd be able to pull cards from an oracle deck or pull cards from a tarot deck. Sometimes we would talk about the, the energy that's present along with this particular full moon. Like, what is this particular full moon about? What is it? What we talk a little bit about astrology and different things like that. And then what I like to do is I usually would 
order like a really nice car, like maybe, you know, a Tesla or something really mm-hmm. high end. And I would have every, all the women go into this car, into a couple cars, and then we would go to the ocean. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the reason why is because I always like to, I like people to feel like this energy of abundance and this energy of richness and this, because I want them to cultivate that in their life space. So I feel like when you treat, when you treat people richly, they can cultivate that in their life space. So we would go to the ocean then, and then we would sing our songs to Yemeya and we would do our dances. And I was saying how Yemeya is is the, uh, one of the goddesses in the Yoruba culture. Mm one of the Orishas who was all about love and compassion and all of that and motherly wisdom and, you know, and just peace. So anyway, we would sing our songs to her and then we would, you know, dance and gather and then we would disperse. We would disperse. Oftentimes in my goddess moon celebrations, you know, I give out different gifts and crystals depending on what um, what I'm feeling in the energy at that time. So I've had many people you know, feel supported, you know, especially during the full moon, they just, they have this idea of wanting to connect with someone, but being able to connect in a sacred circle is very empowering for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the reasons why I did it. And I was saying, coming to find out my ancestors who are Native American as well, you know, the Huma tribe, the Takapa tribe, the Mi'kmaq tribe, some of these Native American tribes, they actually thought that you could be healed by the energy of the moon. Oh, so wow. yeah, <laughs> so that's here that's I'm actually here. very very <laughs> in, no, it's very inspiring. It's 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 amazing to hear all of this. It's actually very inspiring. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's an opportunity to connect. It's an opportunity to love. It's an opportunity to really appreciate nature, to appreciate the moon energy, because without the moon, we'd be in serious trouble as mm-hmm. humanity. We need the sun and we, we need the moon. And I think part of the indigenous cultures, they recognize nature and they have a respect and an awe and an appreciation for it. So the full moon cer- ceremonies, the goddess moon ceremonies, they come from a place of really appreciating and valuing and nurturing people as well as pouring back into the earth and nurturing nature oh wow that is so great how you took something that your identity your your spirituality and you turned it into an inspiration for this year for for the folks of today for their inspiration into the nft space it's it's i commend you for for that 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 it it truly is really inspiring and i have i've actually never i'm going to be honest with you i've never had the opportunity to speak to someone about spirituality and about the ceremony so it was it was a great experience for me as well like it's it's something that our viewers and our listeners will definitely love to hear so that was great that that was amazing um we don't speak- hear a lot about spirituality at all do we yeah it's yeah more private i think yeah 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 i i know and and i don't you know i don't think it should be if mm-hmm. i'm going to be honest with you you know i feel like we should be proud of who we are, who our ancestors are, and, you know, follow the traditions and cultures of our ancestors, because, you know, if, if, if they haven't gotten extinct, and they came, and they gave, you know, we're we're their ancestors, and because of them, we're here, you know, we need to respect their ideologies and their cultures in the best way we can. Uh, Now, with the NFT space and everything, what do you think is one of the most important things that today's generation has a misconception of or are missing out on 
with with the NFT space for young artists who want to get into the NFT space as well? Yes, people people in general are missing out on opportunities to give back. Mm-hmm. Give back. We we live in this world where again everyone wants to be the next greatest thing, or everyone wants to sell X Y Z. But when you when you come from that place, you know, and that's fine. But it's it's one vibration. Yeah. However, when you come from this place of wanting to give back, when you come from this place of wanting to serve, I feel like you get so much more, and you can do that with your NFTs. And yeah. I think a lot of people don't don't realize that like you can create a, a program, a cause that you give back to. There's organizations that are you know open to receiving cryptocurrency. You can create a community where you give back to every person that actually purchases your purchases your NFT. You can share profits. You can do all sorts of things to give back. And I think that's why this space is so intriguing because it gives you an opportunity to develop a sense of community around your project. And by developing a sense of community, you can pour into your community. You can nurture your community. You can grow your community. You can give back to your community. So I feel like people are missing out on an opportunity to give back. Before they know how they want to give back, they need to know why they're here. And then they need to know who they want to give back to, who they want to serve, how they want to serve them. Yeah. Exactly. And then they can create art. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's great. So I know you were in San Diego, uh, in, in at the NFT conference in San Diego. And with the first ever NFT ex- uh, conference, what was the experience like? How were the folks, what kind of pieces were on display? I know you your work was recently featured there as well. So what what kind of other features were there oh my gosh well first of all you know I was super honored to have my work featured there and just so so blessed to see it there you know total surprise to me a lot of different artists were featured there one of my clients actually was featured there doing her virtual uh 3d art shout out to creatures creatress who does this does these amazing presentations where she's doing her art and she's doing it in the web three space. And it's, it's in real time. It's so crazy and beautiful to see. So that's number one. Uh, There were other, so many different unique vendors there. Um, It's almost like being part of the future when you go. (laughs) Yeah. It's like you were, you were probably transported to like 20 years into the future, like took a time machine into the future. Right. So anytime I go to these um, NFT events, that's what I'm feeling. And and it's just it's a beautiful place to be because you get to meet with creatives. You get to meet with people who think outside of the box. You get to meet with this community that is definitely um, with has a goal of being inclusive. You get to meet with people who are future thinkers. You get to meet with a lot of they call it, you know, we call it nerding out. You get to put your nerd hat on. (laughs) Exactly. No, I I am a big nerd too, so I know I know where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah, and you feel comfortable. It's almost like you know probably how it would feel if you were going to a Trekkie event, or how you, yeah. it would feel if you're going to Comic Con, because mm-hmm. you're you're in a group of people who these are your peers, and you're all on the same vibration and the same frequency, which is about being in the future and how do we 
how do we make change? How do we create art? How do we create future businesses? How do we create this new world? So it's almost like being a part of this new world. So I'm, I love going to the NFT events because of the people that I meet. And I never know what type of project I'm going to run into that I've never heard of before and yeah. what type concept I'm going to hear that's brand new to me and seeing all the different creative things that people are doing it's it's just brilliant and it's it's so positive too to be a part of these things yeah it's like it's like the dawn of the internet right it's dawn yeah. of the web, web three space it's it's magnificent like the things that folks are doing out there like you never know tomorrow a project might come in that you wouldn't even think was possible but in in a few years time it'd be like an everyday thing Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I was just hearing about a project that um, I can't remember the name of the company that they're doing, but they create all of this art and in their in their art pieces, you know, some of the pieces like maybe women wearing earrings or women wearing necklaces and they're actually giving out in real life earrings and necklaces to people who are you know, who bought that particular NFT. If you bought That's an NFT right. with earrings, now you're getting earrings. It's just like different creative ways to brand and different creative ways to reach your community and again, give back to your community. So I'm always intrigued to hear of the, of these opportunities that come up to serve, yeah. which is excellent. So we're serving, now we're serving people in the web three space, which is that exactly what I'm here for. You know, that's great. And look, with all of that, I'm sure you in the future, you will you will become a mentor for a lot of these NFT projects and NFT artists. I did have a question about mentoring. Could you tell me about a time when when you were mentoring and you it was maybe when you just started mentoring? Uh, what was that one mentee? And you could you could tell their name or you can keep it private that that made you realize that mentoring is something that is fulfilling and you really love doing it oh my gosh that's a good question um I've been mentoring I feel like most of my life you know in every path that I've chosen there has been mentoring when I was a police officer I was mentoring <laughs> when yeah. I was a college professor I was mentoring in the nft space I'm mentoring in cannabis I'm mentoring etc cetera, etc cetera. so the one story that stands out to me the most would have to be very early on and it was a student of mine who actually was interested she thought that she wanted to quit school and you know I've mentored a lot of people in that space and some people you tell them hey you know the college will be here you have a lot going on so just go take care of your business take care of your life and come back yeah but for this particular student this is when I was an advisor at the time um, I just knew that it was meant for her. She was so close to completing her degree and I knew it was meant for her to stay. And I knew that's what she really wanted, but she was just overcome by fear. So I remember sitting with her and mentoring her. And actually, you know, at the time, I remember praying with this woman. Okay. And I'm not religious either. However, you know, I, I meet people wherever they are. So I remember praying with this woman and I remember she decided to stay in school and ultimately she graduated. Well, before she walked across the stage, she actually passed away. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, she passed right. away. 
but she had already graduated. She knew that she was yeah. graduating. She completed her, her goal. She completed her mission. And I remember going to the funeral. I had already met her parents prior to, and her parents were at the funeral. I remember wearing her favorite color. And I remember her parents just, you know, they were there and they were, it seemed to me like they had as much peace as they could have because they knew that their child had completed something that she wanted to complete, they, that she completed a goal before she actually passed. They were able to look over it in the, in the funeral and see the staff from the college. We were all there. We all showed mm-hmm. up for this woman. Yeah. And it was like she graduated, you know, in, to another life. To she another graduated. life. Yes. Yes. And, and there, and she completed her mission here. So mm-hmm. that has to be the most powerful uh, memory that I have when it comes to mentoring someone. And I'll never forget that. I have goosebumps. I, <laughs> I, I wish I could show you, but I actually have goosebumps. That's a very powerful story. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause it's, she, she had a life mission to graduate. She achieved it. And that, you know, that that's, that's great. I, I, I'm really sorry to hear that she did pass away, but at least, you know, she, she achieved what she came into this world for. So that that's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. I, yeah. I did. I did want to talk about, you know, uh, about your book, obviously. Expect fucking more. So <laughs> tell, tell us more. Tell us more. What am I expecting from this book? Tell us oh. more about this book. Oh, my gosh. First of all, the title in itself, you know, it says a lot. I feel like I wrote down maybe maybe like. 60 to 100 titles before that one just slapped me in the face. Mm -hmm. And, and so where it comes from is wanting people to think outside of the box, wanting people to escape this concept of groupthink, wanting people to, to live their authentic truth and to not be compartmentalized at all. You know, my whole life, I, I come from this place of, of living my truth. And again, that comes from my childhood experiences. That comes from finding my own voice. Expect fucking more is about finding your own voice and being authentic in it and not having any limitations and not feeling like you have to do only this business and do business the way this person does business. So it's about breaking outside of, of any type of um restrictions. It's about knowing that you are beyond your skin suit. It's about realizing that you are the ultimate creator and you can manifest whatever life you want and you can create whatever business you want and you can actually affect change. Instead of being victimized, it's about becoming a victor. It's about- Oh, wow. Yeah. That's great. That's great. (laughs) No, no, for sure. No, for sure. Like, I feel like as soon as we're born, we we fit, we are automatically placed into a specific box, right? Mm-hmm. Whether right. it be whether it be our our where we are from, where 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 our families from, where our religions, our our sex, our gender, our skin color, even some places, right? So and and the fact that you're inspiring folks to break out of that shell and and you know, achieve greatness regardless of anything holding you back is 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 like truly inspirational. Yeah. Yeah, That's, absolutely. It's 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 something like a lot of our folks need to hear is that 
uh like especially coming from so i'm i'm from india right and and our, a lot of our our family in a lot of folks from india have this notion that their parents have have this ideology said that okay if if we have a daughter she's going to be a doctor or a lawyer if you have a son he's going to be an engineer or a doctor right and and the fact that that's not something that we should have like and put boundaries on our kids like it's kind of like pigeon holding in a sense right and and you know when we when we grow around the society that expects that from us it i feel like it sets our wrong expectations because it might not be our passion but we're we're molded towards going to that direction that we completely give away our passions right and and i'm your book inspiring folks to reach for those things to embrace life and like to embrace and work towards your business goals expect the best expect fucking more is 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 an amazing title honestly it 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 literally hits you and and you know you get you know what you're getting as soon as you pick up a copy absolutely and you know i'm here to inspire you know and i know that you know the secondary title is the five keys to business success for african american women and people often ask me well, is it just for African-American women? And the answer is no. The answer is anyone could get something from this book because it's going to teach you how to think outside of the box. And the reason why it says for, you know, um, five keys for business success for African-American women is because that goes back to my research study where I actually studied African-American female entrepreneurs and find out, found out what makes them successful business owners. And also I wanted to include that particular title on the book because I wanted to reach out to people that often are victimized and often are told that they can't do this and they can't do that. I said, enough of this shit, okay? Mm -hmm. exactly. we, need to, we need to know that we have the keys and everyone has the ability to create the life that they want, regardless of their skin suit. Period and point blank. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree with you. That that it it especially like when the, again coming to the box part, like you know, break free from it. Get what you want. You know, screw what the society expects you to do. You know, think outside the box. Grab, grab, grab whatever passions you have and pursue it to to its end. Because that's that's at the end of the day, that's we are humans, right? We're curious folks. We we like to explore passions. We like to explore different things right and and you're a great example of it you know you move through so many different experiences throughout your journey and and you know you've 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 learned from every journey that you've you've came across and at the end of the day like you are you are queen bee so <laughs> it's it's an amazing amazing thing um is there anything you would like to let our listeners know before we end today's episode anything you would like to talk about anything you would you would like to leave them with an inspiring message anything at all absolutely you know I, I think we're living in a time where people need to hear a message of encouragement and so I want people to be encouraged today I want people to know that all is well today I want people to know that this too shall pass I want people to know that you know even if you're in a dark place, you can create from this dark place. Oftentimes things happen while you're in this dark place. You know, think of a seed being planted into the earth, how it's so dark, but then all of a sudden that seed rises up and becomes a beautiful flower. Think of yourself like that when you're in a dark place. I want people to be encouraged today. 
That is my message. And of course, you know, I have all my social medias that I can shout yes. out. Yes. We will definitely be putting all of those things into the message box in the description below. You know, we want you to follow Dr. B's journey, follow her spaces, follow her NFT journey, as well as, you know, if you are definitely interested, I would definitely pick up her book and read through it. If you are interested in getting into the business world and, you know, let's just say it's never too late to get into that space. There's always, as long as we are alive and well, we have an opportunity to do something for ourselves. Thank you so much, Dr. B. Thomas, for being on our episode today. It was an absolute pleasure of having you. You know, we talked about so many different things and you you brought up some great key points that, that our listeners are going to absolutely love and enjoy, you know, and, you know, honestly, I would love to have you again in the future and, you know, explore more things about your journey because I'm sure by the time I meet you again, you, you'd, you'd be off doing something amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I might be on the moon by that time. So yeah, I'll definitely come back. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. B. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you to your audience too.